You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. After missing three straight days due to COVID-19 protocol misunderstandings, Patriot quarterback Cam Newton returned to practice. But that doesn't mean anything is more set in stone when it comes to who's actually going to be the starting quarterback for New England week one. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You guys can hang out with us on the Goodyear Hotline. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. It's National Dog Day. We'll get into that a bunch over the course of uh, the next couple of hours. And don't forget, you can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is back. So are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. The question is, who do fans deserve to see behind center when it comes to New England? And we'll get to the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Sarah Nothing is easy right now when it comes to the conversation about what is next for New England. Cam is back. He missed three days. Again, this was according to what has been termed a misunderstanding in the COVID-19 protocol. He went to be seen by a medical professional, a medical appointment in the New England region. It was team approved, but there was a misunderstanding. Nobody seems to want to tell us anything about how or why we got here, but he had to miss practice. And during that time, Mac Jones continued his meteoric ascent up the depth chart. So now here we sit with Cam coming back, but Mac playing so well, it makes all of it very complicated when we're trying to figure out just with a couple of weeks left before games that matter, who's actually going to start. Yeah, you're hearing a lot of different things. And everything I heard up until that COVID protocol incident with Cam Fitz was that Bill Belichick really wanted to give Cam the starting nod, was going to give him a pretty long leash because he liked the leadership. He understood what a difficult position Cam was put in last year, and he wanted to be safe around Mac Jones and put him in the best possible position. That Bill Belichick believes that this is a team that can contend and, of course, wants to win games, but believed that Cam Newton was the right choice. And also, I've heard, is potentially not certain about putting a young Mac Jones out against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers early in the schedule. Would perhaps like to avoid that now a lot of folks are saying after seeing what mac looked like with the ones the frustration that appears to be happening while there's no direct reporting about frustration with cam there's a lot of speculations that they sort of covered for him in something that should have been clear and a mistake that was very you know uh something that should not have happened with cam that all of that combined has really opened the door where you would not be surprised anymore if mac stole the job yeah, and that's the weird part about all of this is that just something feels off in the entire story. And maybe it's just such a, you know, a conspiracy theorist society that we live in now that sometimes maybe I'm just not letting simple things be simple. But to have a COVID-19 misunderstanding around Cam just is such a hard pill to swallow when we've had such vague response as to what actually got us to where we are. And then and you since start he to had th- COVID last year. And by all accounts, it had a major effect on his season. You would think he would be more careful than anyone. And instead, unvaccinated and not following protocol. Well, and to that end, now all of a sudden, Matt comes in, plays incredibly well, and these questions won't go away because, not because Cam's playing himself out of the job, but because Mac Jones might be playing himself into the job. To that end, Lewis Riddick was on the Max Kellerman show today. This is what he said about what he thinks if Mac could be the starter week one. I wouldn't be shocked in the least, man. I was in Cleveland. I was in Cleveland in the early 90s when he cut Bernie Kosar and gave the infamous diminishing skills press conference. And nobody saw that coming. And we all saw what he – Drew Bledsoe was the darling of the, of the northeastern region of this country and one of the best 
quarterbacks in the history of, of the Patriots and a favorite of Robert Kraft's, and he got hurt, got knocked out of the game, and never saw another starting assignment really again because that's what launched Tom Brady. And no one thought that Bill would do that either. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked if he starts this kid week one. Just don't be shocked. I mean, mm-hmm. that's some straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. And, I mean, the one thing we know about Bill is that Bill's going to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do, how he wants to do it, right? Like, And that's a, such a simple way to say it, but not every quarterback battle is, is equal. Not every coach has the footing and confidence to do what they think they need to do in that moment. If Mac Jones is, is winning his way into the job – Good on him. Like, I don't want to hold Mac Jones back because he's a rookie or hold Mac Jones back because Cam deserves some sort of second chance. I also don't want to force Mac Jones in just because he's the first-round pick and everybody's excited for him. Like, there is a a balance here, Sarah, that's hard to find. Yeah, uh, it's, as usual, trying to dive into the brain of Bill Belichick, which nobody can do. We had Seth Wickersham on last night. He knows him maybe as well as anyone based on all the reporting he's done. He's got that new book, It's Better to Be Feared Out, about the uh, the, the, the Patriots coming out in a month or two. And he, he said as much, I can't, I can't get into the brain of, of Bill Belichick. And I think there's also a lot of questions about, does he have safety because his job is secure, so he doesn't want to rush it because he sees Mac as the future. And he really wants to win with someone other than Tom Brady and prove that it wasn't just about Brady. So he's willing to be patient. Or is it that he's a guy who's so not used to missing the playoffs that last year was really frustrating and he'll do whatever it takes in the now to succeed. Those are the big questions that remain. And certainly Cam Newton didn't do himself any favors by uh, causing this whole protocol situation. And, and, you know, this is one of the few real questions I think fits. It's a true battle compared to some of the other news that we got yesterday, which was, yeah, that checks out on the QB ones. Yeah, well, and when you start talking about QB1s, there are so many battles going on across the league. But there's another definitive decision that's been made that I think is interesting, Sarah. And that that definitive decision was the one that puts Teddy Bridgewater behind center uh, for the Denver Broncos. Now, we'll talk to Elle Duncan, by the way, uh, later on in the show. I want to get her thoughts on it. Everybody knows Elle and I have a Raiders-Broncos rivalry, so we'll see <laughs> you know, what, what Elle has to say about it. But what's interesting to me here isn't that they're starting Teddy. That's fine if Teddy's better short-term. But if that's the case, then don't we at some point have to look at it and say, wow, how did we get to this spot where Teddy Bridgewater was able to win this job? I mean, the, the, the Broncos have had year in and year out opportunity to fix the quarterback position. And every year they looked at Drew Locke and they've said, huh, no, we're going to stick with who, we, who we've got. Well, at some point, I think it's fair now to look at it and say, if you decided to ride with Drew and he didn't develop, then you've got to ask yourself a question about whether or not you did the right thing in the draft a few months ago by not getting yourself a Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, I'm thankful for it. I'll be honest with you. I feel pretty good about the decision that they made to pass on this incredible quarterback class because it allowed the Bears to make a move and go get Justin Fields. This decision was not a surprise to me for two reasons. One, of course, we remember how Locke played last year, tied for the most interceptions in the NFL with 15, was last in the starters in the league in completion percentage, needed to make a pretty big leap for them to be confident, which is why there was so much consternation about them not looking like they were going to go out and try to draft a young quarterback, instead deciding to go with Bridgewater. Bridgewater has done exactly what they needed him to because of the makeup of this team, a strong defense that's looking for someone to protect the ball. During the preseason, very limited, but during the limited time that we saw him, he didn't turn the ball over once. He didn't take a single sack. 
16 and 19, 179 yards, two touchdowns, a 141 QB rating. The team scored three touchdowns and a field goal. The one non-touchdown was because of a penalty. They actually scored on that drive as well. This, to me, is the guy to put in in this situation. But as Dan Orlovsky pointed out on NFL Live today, that means that Teddy needs to execute that way in the, in the regular season because they're not going to have those big play moments. I love that point because now with Teddy as the quarterback, they will have to be great in situational football. Have to be. End of the first half, two-minute drills that you're referencing, red zone, both in the red zone offense and defense because with a guy that is not going to be ultra-aggressive with the football, you're not going to outscore a ton of people or blow them out. There's going to be a lot of tight football games, and that's why situational football, they're going to have to be very, very good in. I think they got the people to do it, but that will be a focal point for their offense. Yep, I mean, it's going to be important. I- well, and again, I, I think all of that makes sense, Sarah. I just I, I want to be able to compartmentalize this, the conversation into two sections. One where we can say, okay, great, they got somebody they're confident in today. But the other is the conversation of did they mishandle the quarterback position to even Absolutely. get in that spot. And yeah. as we continue that conversation, we'll continue it next with one of our favorites, an expert that's right there with the Broncos in Denver. We'll get some expertise on all things Broncos next as we go camping on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear on the Goodyear Hotline. Happy National Dog Day. Feel free to send us dog pics. That always makes us happy, as I'm sure dog we will. Dog music uh, all Look at that. Dog music, dog drops. We've got all of it. Uh, if there's one thing that I know. dog droppings because my oh, dog is my in God. my closet. That is, has that ever happened mid-show? Like, you know, no, you but a... yesterday he ripped the biggest fart right with his butt facing me mid, mid-segment, and I had no escape. And that's one of the great things about having huge dogs is whenever they're in the room, I can fart away and always blame oh, them. No. All right, now that we've given you all the class <laughs> you could possibly need, let's go camping the way only this show can. We're going to get some straight talk. Jeff Legwold, ESPN Broncos reporter, going to give us the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Jeff, thanks for the time, man. We've been talking a lot already about the Broncos' decision to start Teddy Bridgewater. What does it say about the quarterback evaluation process, not this time, but for the last couple of years that they gave Drew Locke so much time and he wasn't able to win the job? Well, I think, you know, it says that they, that, you know, they always thought he was a, a guy who would need some time. Now, you know, it's how you, how you score a COVID season with no – off season and the rest of it, uh, you know, he was kind of a rookie and a half uh, sort of this year when he comes to camp. And uh, I think the fact that they traded for Teddy Bridgewater was kind of the step. They wanted to see, all right, if they push him hard, how will it turn out? And if it doesn't turn out his way, they wanted a quarterback they felt uh, they liked and could win with, and I, and I think that's why Bridgewater was the pick, and he did win the job. I don't think there's any 
really objective way to have looked at all the practices and, and all of the throws that were made and say he didn't win the job because he did. What that means for Locke going from here, Bridgewater's on a, a one-year deal. So, you know, next March they're doing this whole dance again. And, and uh, if, if teams don't call on Locke in the, in the coming weeks, I think he will be part of the decision-making process going forward because they still do like him as a prospect. Jeff Legwald's with us, ESPN Broncos reporter. Yeah, Ian Fitzsimmons said yesterday he's got this feeling that if Peyton Manning is devoting that much time to a young guy, he can't be a total bust. He's got to see something in there. It just feels like for the team in the window that they're in now with the defense that they have, they want someone who's not going to make mistakes. Now, that being said, just how good can this defense be, and will they be able to find success even with the quarterback who's not going to take the big shots like we expect from Teddy Bridgewater? Well, you know, the, the 2015 Broncos averaged 22 points a game, you know, and, and the defense uh, just had to be historical to, to get that done. That's all. I mean, they had to be number one in everything. So I, I think they do feel good about this defense. They've invested a you know, free agency money and draft picks in it. And it's as good right now on paper as any, you know, possibly as the 2015 defense, but you got to play, you got to play it. And Bradley Chubb and Von Miller have to be on the field at the same time for 15 games, at least I think for them to reach any level that they hope to. Uh, That said, they're still going to need touchdowns. And I think that's why Bridgewater was the pick is because, uh, you know, he's, he's sort of more of, a, of an assured thing in terms of they know what level of play he can reach and they think that's what they'll need, that it's good enough with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. You know, they've got athleticism at the skill positions and it's just, Honestly, a quarterback who can get the ball to the right places and not turn it over like last year. We're talking to Jeff Legwold, ESPN Broncos reporter on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Jeff, you just mentioned Jerry Judy. I, I really thought he was going to be the best wide receiver taken last year. And obviously it's hard in a COVID year to figure out who guys are. It was not easy for everybody. Who is Jerry Judy in your mind entering season two? Well, against a really good secondary and in off-season work and in training camp, uh, his own position coach called him uncoverable. So uh, I think, you know, even even the defensive backs here have said that they think Judy is poised for an enormous year. Uh, and they're, you know, guys like Kareem Jackson, the safety, isn't really one to sort of throw rose petals at, at offensive players because he thinks they're awesome, but he – he has gone out of his way to say how good he thinks Jerry Judy can be. So I, th- I think, you know, that that's one spot they think where that's a that's a rising second year player who could really become a, a number one receiver in this offense. It's Spain and Fitz here, Spain, Jason Fitz. We're going camping with the Broncos and Jeff Legwald. He's with us here on the Goodyear Hotline. A lot of criticism last year for Pat Shermer, and it's sort of hard to separate his play calling and his offensive plan from Locke, who made a lot of mistakes and gave the ball away a lot. How much pressure is on him to change the narrative around this offense this year? Uh, Sarah, I think there's an awful lot, because I think they feel good 
I think they feel like they're talented. And I, I think the one thing that struck me last year is uh, of Locke's interceptions, his 15 interceptions, all of them were in when he was in the shotgun, and all but one was when he was in a three-wide set. So I guess my beef with it last year is why do you keep playing that when he is obviously making more mistakes in it? He was much better when they were under center, much better when they played play action, much better when they were in two tight end. And, and, you know, they've been that way in the preseason as well. And I think the pressure here is are you just going to call the plays that they're good at and, and sort of not force feed, you know, that you want to be this three wide receiver team when, you know, last year it was, it was when all the trouble happened. And I think that's, that's kind of how people are looking at it this year. Are you going to do the things that this offense does well and just not, not force feed it? Jeff, we're sort of up against it here. So I'll ask you in 30 seconds, uh, we're asking everybody for a way too early prediction, getting a prize to whoever comes the closest. Sarah's getting the prize, though. I'm not responsible enough. Who you, where do you have the final record for the Broncos coming in this year? I, I believe a, a, a smooth 10 and 7 that I got to get used to saying 10 and 7 yeah. uh, now. <laughs> but, uh, wow. I think they're good enough to be better than that, but they got to they got to be like 100% healthy. But I think they can be in the the wild card conversation. All right. As always, we appreciate your time and your expertise, Jeff. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Stay safe out there. Uh, thank you. Anytime. Jeff Legwold, ESPN Broncos reporter. And 10-7, and seven, sir, like that actually makes me a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Like When I hear 10-7 and seven for the Broncos, I realize that the AFC West could turn out to be a sneaky, difficult division because Tough the Chargers division. are going to be better. The Broncos are going to be better. We know the Raiders are going to the playoffs. So, I mean, there's uh, just not can... a lot of room there. Mm, interesting. That's an interesting take on your end. Yeah, I, 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 I think that as we're looking at the predictions across the board from a lot of these reporters, it's tough to imagine teams doing that unless they just trade wins with each other in a division and win all their other games. Because a lot of them have division rivals all winning 10, 11, 12 games. Oh, my God, yeah. I, that's the one thing. Like, I'm still waiting for a bunch of our nation people and, and great reporters to come in and just say, hey, this is a three-win team because there's going to be one, and we just got to figure out who that's going to be. I was really banking on Denver to be part of it, but, you know, you add Vic Fangio and the pressure that's going to be around Fangio, the pressure that continu- continues around Elway, easy for me to say, is all going to be really interesting to keep an eye on how the Broncos look this season. Of course, we'll keep you updated on all things NFL, but – We've got some Major League Baseball to get into. We'll go from one Jeff to another. Jeff Passing going to join us next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with us here tonight. 
It's National Dog Day. We will continue to play dog-related music and potentially have some dog-related drops. Try to figure out if it's the dogs in our homes or being played on the radio. (laughs) This is the perfect night for me to be surrounded by dogs and not care if one of them speaks up mid-show. Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline, Jeff Passity is brought to you by Samsung Galaxy. Get ready for the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G and Z Fold 3 5G. Pre-order now at Samsung.com. Uh, we're going to talk to our ESPN LB insider about all things baseball. And then, of course, we'll get into a little bit more of Jason Fitz's Major League Bachelor. He's got to uh, get rid of a couple more baseball teams tonight. Five teams got to go. But let's start with last night's game. Our poor producer, Stosh, was at the studio till like 5 in the morning working this Dodgers win over the Padres. <laughs> it was a historic win. I-, I don't care as much about the Dodgers getting another W so much as how disappointed I am with the Padres. I'm not even a Padres fan, Jeff. I just want it to work out for them instead of always being what it looks like is happening again, which is just fading, not really getting the, tr- the turnaround or the, or the results that they expected. What's wrong with the Padres? There's a lot that's wrong with them right now. Um, you know, they've been hurt. Other teams have been hurt. Um, they've had pitching issues in the second half, but I did find it kind of amusing that, the day after they fired their pitching coach, uh, their offense went for nine hitless innings in the middle of that very long mm-hmm. game against the Dodgers. Um, you know, they had opportunities in the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th to walk off that game, and they missed all of them. And listen, all year long, why is my voice cracking? Am I going through puberty oh. in the middle of this interview? Yeah, you're talking to me. That's the effect. <clears throat> That's my it's time all, to change. All year, all year long. Is this better, guys? Do I sound, yes. do I sound like it. an adult now? Sensual. Sound like a real yeah. man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I was eating ghost chili salsa before I came on, so I'm going to blame it. the ghost chili for this. <laughs> um, all, uh, you know, all year long, uh, they have had the opportunity to stay neck and neck with the Dodgers and with the Giants top the National League West. And the fact that they aren't right now, uh, it's, it's an indictment to me on their lack of depth. You know, they have you Darvish go down. Uh, they have Blake Snell, who's who's been ineffective, even though he was good last night. Uh, they have the, just a general lack of rotation depth, and they're throwing out bullpen games, it seems like, every day. And they have a, a good, deep bullpen, but that's not a sustainable thing. And... Uh, as good as their roster is, like 1 through 15, uh, it's it's the depth there. I think that's problematic organizationally for them where they don't have the guys to backfill like the Dodgers or like the Rays or like some of these other teams. So I, I want to know, like when Jeff Passan is watching – uh, you know, a 327 inning game approximately. Don't Google it. Like, is there a level of joy for you when you're watching it? Or you think, good God, let this thing end? Like, as a purist, when you're watching the never-ending baseball game, you, you good with it? Or is there a solution to it? It was a combination of both. There were times, I mean, there were, you know, three guys who got caught in pickles between third and home. And I'm just sitting there like, God, learn to run. Um, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, after the Dodgers score a couple of runs uh, and we get the bottom of the 15th and Corey Knable intentionally balks to move the runner over from second to third because he's worried that the runner on second is stealing the signs from the catcher and is going to relay them to the hitter at the plate. So he says, I will give you an additional base 
beyond the two bases that you did not earn to begin with because you started the inning at second, and then Fernando Tatis Jr. goes out and hits the game-tying home run. I mean, it's 2.30 in the morning central, and I'm sitting there, and my poor wife is asleep next to me, and I want to be like, F yeah, baseball. Uh, but no, I'm just sitting there like a monk because I want to let my poor wife sleep. <laughs> it's Bain and Fitz. Jeff Passan is with us here. Um, you did say last night you felt sorry for everyone who wasn't up watching. So I guess there was a part of you that was really into it in in, oh, in yeah. the moment. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was right after the – that was right – the intentional balk is what got me. Yeah, we all know about the intentional that'll, that'll balk. That'll get you going. Thing. Yeah. But the intentional yeah. balk, like, that'll get you that, going. Just, that, that thing comes deep for the baseball nerd. All right, let's talk about DeGrom and Syndergaard as they are trying to make their way back. I saw you put up a timeline the other day just questioning if it's if it's going to happen and if it's going to be worth happening if the Mets aren't still in it. What do you make of, of those two guys right now? Uh, Syndergaard should come back because he's going to be a free agent. And, you know, he's got a lot to pitch for. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if the Mets offer him the qualifying offer. It's going to be interesting, I suppose, to see if the qualifying offer still exists after the new collective bargaining agreement is agreed upon. Uh, DeGrom, though, I do not anticipate he will pitch again this year. And uh, it's just a matter Bummer. of timeline. You know, I, I, the calendar is not working in his favor. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. Uh, the the way the, the prescription for pitchers is that uh, once you start throwing, it takes as long for you to get back as it does uh, for the time you were down. So if you were down for six weeks, like Degrom's been, it's generally speaking going to take six weeks for you to get back. Now you can push that, but are they really going to push it for one start at the end of the season? No, that they. It doesn't benefit the team. It doesn't benefit the player. So I just don't think that, uh, you know, barring some sort of miraculous comeback by the Mets in the National League East, that we're going to see Jacob DeGrom on the mound again this year. You said miraculous comeback there, Jeff. Is there somebody you think in the last few weeks of the season can make some sort of a big push that we're not looking at? I mean, I, you know, I, I look at the Braves' schedule right now, and Atlanta is 10 games over 500, five games ahead of Philadelphia, seven games ahead of the Mets, who are four games under 500 themselves. Uh, Atlanta has a really rough patch coming up right now. So if there is any time to gain, it is right now. But the fact that the Phillies are losing Reese Hoskins, uh, who I believe leads the team in home runs for the remainder of the season, is a, a pretty hefty blow. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the National League wild card race uh, between the the Padres and the Reds, and I'm fascinated by the. Uh, am I going to call it a three way race? I think probably between the or among the Yankees, Red Sox, uh, and Oakland A's. But I mean, the Yankees could pull away. Like they're they're three games clear of the Red Sox right now, and and the Red Sox are a game and a half up on the A's right now. So. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where that goes. But, Amazing uh, what a good Rizzo will do for you. Probably most of the division winners are set at this point, yeah. except, of course, the, the National League West with the Dodgers and, uh, and Giants. And, and the Giants, every time they lose a game, it's like they come back and win five in a row afterwards. They're unbelievable. 
Appreciate you naming almost all the teams that have my former Cubs on them. We're talking to Jeff Passan at Spain and Fitz. we got to let you go, but we have to first do some business. Jason Fitz needs to cut five more teams in Major League Bachelor Baseball, whatever, Major League Baseball Bachelor. Uh, It is down to ballpark food. Uh, We're not going to be be able to have the time to list all the remaining teams, but he's going to tell you the five he's getting rid of due to food very quickly, and you're going to tell him whether he made a good choice or not. Fitz, go. Oh, you're putting me right right, right, right on the line. Okay, these are the five that I'm getting rid of, and keep in mind, we've already eliminated some teams, so that has to be considered here. So the five I'm getting rid of, the Detroit Tigers, because Papa John's, eh. the L.A. Angels, Jersey Mike's best thing you got. No, I'm out on that. The New York Mets, because I can get Shake Shack anywhere for cheaper. The St. Louis Cardinals, because I've been to that stadium a bunch of times, and there's nothing to eat there that I care about. And controversially, the Dodgers, because the Dodger dog is really overrated. Uh, you're wrong about the Mets. Um, and, and the Dodgers actually have a very good like variety of food, especially vegetarian food. So uh, I think you're pretty wrong on that. And I think you're wow. doing uh, your radio partner dirty by, yep. by doing that. Uh, but I'm, I'm on board with the others. Can I, ju- can I just say, Fitz, the fact that you're eliminating based on ballpark food when 99.9% of ballpark food is mediocre to begin with, sure. it doesn't hold a candle to actual restaurant food and is mass produced in ways that would horrify sure. you. Yep. actually makes me question the entire Well, you should. Yeah, we really ran this. out of things, yeah, okay. and we went to... We went to wait, 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 wait. Although, wait. I think you are wrong about the Mets, because I'm looking. They have an entire thing of fries that's like 20 different flavors. They've got a whole thing of, of Arancini bros. You know Arancini, those like uh, risotto balls? No, that are, that, those are delicious. You're, you're saying a terrible is error. Here, right? Yeah, Fitz is yeah, way yeah, wrong. Yeah, okay, yeah, but totally I was going to take yeah. the Reds out yeah. of this Pretty whole field, thing because... Field food is very good. Yeah. I, I, I was going to take the Reds out because of Skyline Chili because it's overrated. But then Sarah started telling me about this like pork mac and cheese yeah, bread so cone disgusting. thing. That, like, it's a, so, it's a, I, it's a I parfait it. that a par- sounds so yes. gross. Barbecue pulled pork mac and cheese and coleslaw in a bread cone. No, thank you. Yeah. And then they put fries with marshmallows, chocolate syrup, cinnamon, graham crackers, and M&Ms. Who's making this menu, buddy the elf? Just have some normal food, Reds. My personal hero. My personal hero. I've got I so mean, much in common. Does with it have sugar else. in it? Okay. All right. We got to let you go. I agree with you. Most of it's trash. Uh, and here come the uh, the <laughs> angry people in our menchies. I just want to repeat, focus your ire towards Fitz because he said Skyline Chili is trash. Uh, ignore what Pasadena and I said. Thanks for the time, Jeff. Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz coming up. Uh, speaking of ripping on things, we saw a movie poll and we hated it. We're going to tell you why next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee, yay. Please never do that again. It's Spain and Fitz, <laughs> Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Oh, really? Oh, really? I was still thinking about how dumb wow, you wow, sounded, wow, yippee, and yo, it yippee, prevented yippee. me from reading. <laughs> Please, again, never.
ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Uh, so far, the only feedback on you taking out Skyline Chili is to agree with you. Uh, I haven't had it, but doesn't seem like it's worth writing home about. I am a little concerned for you after that Mets elimination, uh, now that I'm reading their website, just how many good foods you, you got rid of. But I think Passon was right. It's sort of a flawed system to begin with. Yeah. Also, let's acknowledge that I've just been needing a reason to get rid of the Mets anyway. That's true. So, that's like, fair. That's a pretty, like, I'll admit you can't choose the level. Mets if you can have any yeah. team you want. Like, no I, one, you get born into that life. That And see, I'm a little torn on the Reds portion of it because I really like Cincinnati. And, you know, like Kings Island mm-hmm. is a, a theme park mm-hmm. that Sonny and I loved going to for years. She used to work there back as a singer and dancer. And Crater's no Ice Cream That's is, awesome. like, incredible. And so, like, I have a lot of love for Cincinnati. So, like, I think I've been subconsciously keeping the Reds on the list because of some of those reasons. But Skyline Chili just isn't good. Like, I can admit that to the world. So and the rest of the food can be good. But Skyline, oof, whew. But, you know, I just don't know if I can eliminate, uh, you know, I just, I, I need a reason to get rid of the Mets. If not this, then let's find one. <laughs> I, I could give you plenty. Just <laughs> trust me. Uh, you would have Javi, though. And uh, Javi makes anything worth watching, even when he's swinging five minutes before a pitch arrives or not looking to see whether a ball has been caught when rounding third. It's always interesting. He keeps it interesting. Speaking of interesting, we saw the Sports Center poll. And as we continued to debate what our choices were, we realized that uh, we were more likely to never watch a single one of the movies offered in the list than to struggle to pick just three of them. The Sports Center, uh, I'm going to put it, I'm going to retweet it now. It says you can only pick three from this list, and the selections are Friday Night Lights, Rudy, Coach Carter, Remember the Titans, The Blind Side, Space Jam, Rocky, Glory Road, and Miracle. And as we talked about how it was a pretty trash selection, missing some of our all-time favorite sports movies, I think that's probably why they went for deeper cuts than the obvious. Uh, I said I would probably, with the exception of Space Jam, because I will never put any limits on how many times or for how long I will be allowed to watch anything Michael Jordan related. Other than that, I probably won't watch a single one of those for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, instead of you can only pick three from this list, Sports Center should have said you have to pick three. That's a bigger <laughs> challenge for me. I mean, this is the problem is Friday night, Friday night Lights, the movie, I like, but Friday Night Lights, the TV show, is ingrained in my life. So, like, I prefer the TV show so much that it's dulled the movie a little bit for me. The only movie on this list that I would ever watch if I walked into a room and it was on is Remember the Titans. The rest of them, for me, and Remember the Titans isn't a destination movie. I'd watch it if it's on, but I'm not really turning any of these on, and most of them I'm turning off quickly. Like, I'd rather watch a repeat of Guy's Grocery Games I've seen 352 times than any of these movies. Uh, Yeah, I have to admit, and I'm going to hear it for this, I don't think I've seen Friday Night Lights. I haven't seen Coach Carter. I don't think I've seen Remember the Titans. I don't think I've seen Miracle. I definitely haven't seen Glory Road. I saw Rocky for the first time last year during quarantine. I saw The Blind Side in the movie theater, which was the first time I had to watch the Joe Theismann injury. I had made it my entire life avoiding it and then it was in that damn movie and I was like of all the places to finally make me watch it and then Space Jam of course I watched again during uh during the last dance hurrah last year uh this just isn't the best selection and I think it's more likely that I'll never see another one of these movies again other than Space Jam then then I would then I would pick up one of the ones I haven't seen I mean 
I probably should see Friday Night Lights. I haven't seen the TV show either, though. No, no, just go to the TV show. The TV show is, is brilliantly done. And I've told you this before, but always my beef with Space Jam, I've never made it through the movie. I, I, I don't even know if it's That's, good at the end. The, get a hold the, of your life. The, 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 the voices weren't right. None of the voices were right oh, to what I grew up on. Bugs didn't sound like bugs. Like, you, you got Only all the you. money in the world. Like, go, 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 go get an actual bugs person. Like, the, the new voices were terrible in it. I, could, I just couldn't get behind it. I, I couldn't Only do it. you. Would yeah, not be able to watch Space Jam because of the, real- the realism of the, of the cartoon yeah. voice. It's Bain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Hey, did you know, by the way, this was not exciting to me because, like I said, I've never seen the show. But a friend of mine was friends with um, the guy who starred in Friday Night Lights, the TV series, like the young hot guy or quarterback or whoever. Is this okay. whoever maybe was his name Riggs, Matt? Maybe? Uh, yeah, I mean, th- there were several attractive people on, fr- on the no, cast. No, it was Tim. It was Tim Riggins. T- Tim Riggins, yeah. Okay, so did you know that that guy was dating um, uh, Connie Britton in real life? No. So everyone no. wanted Connie to date, like, the husband or the coach or something, That right? Isn't that the thing? Yeah. Yes. I mean, they all wanted Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor to be a real relationship. Yeah, yeah but I mean, she I mean, was dating the young guy. Taylor, Taylor Kitsch, Kitsch. would be the name of the actor? Wow. Yeah. I'm just letting you know, like, I just need to put this out in the world. Like, Minka Kelly, uh, who was Lila Garrity, like, I, I would, I, I, yes, I'd leave everything behind. Like, you know, Sonny can have the dogs, the house, the cars. You can have everything. She can have everything. Minka like, Kelly. If Minka, if Minka Kelly calls me, I am, I am first plane out to Minka, and whatever she needs, I will be there at her back and call Isn't for Isn't she married to Derek Jeter or something, or am I, I mixing she that was, up? She was with Derek Jeter for a while, but you know what? Like, maybe she just needs somebody that's a little uh, more on the doofier side, like somebody that's, you know. Yeah, that's what uh, women are saying all the time. Yeah, I'll tell I feel you. like it. You know? When I was single, I was always <laughs> dating extremely successful, jacked professional athletes and thinking to myself, you know what? One day I'd like to find a man who's doofier. Yeah, I mean, why do you need Derek Jeter money when you can live in a cardboard box with me because I will have lost everything in the process and that you can support me <laughs> also, while I play... Also, pay you know, for your st- medical <laughs> bills because Derek Jeter beat the ever-living you-know-what out of you because you tried to take his woman. Look, I mean, it's worth, some, some beatings are worth taking. And, uh, you know, if, if I got to take a beat down or 27 from Derek Jeter, uh, you know, to end up Mr. Minka Kelly, I would take You know that what? Away. I think she's single. I think you've got a shot. Minka, She call dated me. Chris Evans. Oh, my God. She dated Ye- a Jeter. And then Jesse Williams. Now that's someone I might leave my husband for. I'm and getting now from a reliable like- source that she dated John Mayer, too. So maybe she oh, is okay. into sort of dorky musicians, right? I mean. Right. But he's like five, six inches taller than you probably more. Oh, like, I mean, at least. I mean, I, I, <laughs> he is substantially taller than I am and has like an it factor when he walks in the room that yeah. I definitely do not yeah, have. Yeah, like, too bad. Yeah, he's not doing the running man to get people's attention <laughs> as he goes to the buffet line. But like do you I think am. when he runs, his legs look like the Flintstones like you? Oh, no, no, a thousand percent. Like, he glides gracefully across the room <laughs> while looking cool doing it. And I trip and fall and somehow break my nose gonna, on my way to extra cheese from the plate. I'm going to go ahead and find the video of you running for those who haven't seen it. It really it's does look like the Flintstones. Hey, you know uh, by the I way, worked really at, hard to get better at it. I, I should try it again next year. Let's take another video. I would love to see it. Endless six entertainment. Three. Six three. Uh, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz is where you can tell us whether you'd have hands. more trouble picking three or you'll just never watch those movies again. We're going to go camping again next. Titans coming up. Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, National Dog Day. So, you know, if you're feeling angry today, just go look on social media for pictures of dogs. It's always a nice way to uh, celebrate the day, and uh, we, we wish our respective dogs on this show uh, all the love in the world. Also, uh, there is a Dog Day show on ESPN2 tonight that you should check out. Nice. Um, they, they, yeah, look at that shameless plug. Uh, they, they filmed everything. I don't know if Annabelle made the actual TV show, but I do know that my picture of me and her made it into the stadium while they were filming it. So as yet undetermined Ooh. if I need to get her an agent. I need to DVR that. See if my dogs have all been on TV except for one. So, you know, maybe, maybe dog agents. And then maybe that's what yeah. we start doing. There you Sarah. Go. Like we, we take that yeah. over and. You know, just take a cut from all of them. Okay, <laughs> one thing I know is that everybody's got their eye on training camp. And it's funny, as good as the Titans have been in the last year or two, they don't necessarily get a ton of conversation, unless it's about COVID when they seem to always be in the news. So let's go camping the way only this show can. Now we got news from Spain and Fitz Nation. ESPN Titans reporter Teron Davenport on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. TD, always appreciate your time, man. Hope you're well, my friend, and we appreciate you joining us. The Titans, obviously, in the news as there is a outbreak at this point, the, the nicest way to term it. So what's the latest on the COVID situation that the Titans are dealing with? Yeah, I appreciate you for having me on. Uh, so far at this point, the latest is that there are nine total people who reportedly have tested positive. Uh, that would include two coaches and seven players. And the latest was Craig Alkerman being added to the pro protocol. He's a special teams coordinator, and he was actually the guy put in place to orchestrate everything while Mike Vrabel was gone. And he did that on Monday. Uh, we didn't see him on Tuesday, and uh, we didn't see him today. They were off yesterday. So that's really the latest. And obviously the bomb was dropped today with Ryan Tannehill being placed on the COVID reserve list as well. So there's a lot to sort through uh, right here in Nashville. The good news is they got Julio Jones back to practice. What have you seen from him? Yeah. And how quickly will this turn into um, what could be a pretty powerful uh, duo in Tannehill and Jones? Yeah, you know, Sarah, I'm glad you asked me about that because that is something I've been kind of focusing on, just them being able to get that timing and that chemistry down when you look at Tannehill and Julio Jones. Uh, fortunately, in their case, they are veteran players, so it should be a, a little bit easier than normal. Uh, Julio Jones took part in practice today, uh, actually team stretch, which is it sounds like an insignificant thing, but this was the first time we've seen him do that in almost two weeks now. And then on uh, Tuesday, the last time the team practiced, they go through a jog-through period, whereas you have the scout team uh, defense just kind of show them some looks and they work through. And that was significant because it was an opportunity for these guys just to kind of get out there on the field and throw the football together. And I, I think that's big when you look at just the way a guy like Julio Jones is. He, he's a little bit more explosive coming out of his breaks. It's a new receiver-quarterback relationship, so if a corner is playing a certain way, he may come out of his break this way, and that's something that he and Tannehill have to be on the same page with. So I talked to the receiver coach, Rob Moore, about that, and he did say that that was something that they were specifically working on. In addition to that, I talked to the quarterback coach, Pat O'Hara, and he said that the way their communication is, and also Tannehill having been a former receiver himself at A&M, that will help them as well, just as far as getting on that same page and having that timing. 
We're talking to ESPN Titans reporter Teron Davenport. And, you know, I think it's interesting when you talk about that offense. I mean, Johnny Smith goes to New England, gets paid mm. to do it. Good for him. But they still have to replace that element of their offense. So what are they going to do yeah. to replace that impact? Well, what you're going to see is a lot more 11 personnel, one tight end, one running back. And that tight end is going to vary. Sometimes it's going to be Jeff Swain. Some, who was actually placed on COVID reserve list as well today. But uh, Anthony Ferkser as well. Uh, from a passing perspective, Ferkser is their best option catching the football, but he's not exactly their best option blocking, whereas he is, is able to do just basically, like, hey, get in the way, you know, and, and don't let the guy uh, run to the ball carry that way. So that's pretty much how they're going to do it. A lot of 11 personnel. You got some guys emerging, uh, Chester Rogers, uh, Josh Reynolds, they did – you know, sign him and obviously the guys on the outside, Brown and, and, and Jones. So that's more or less how they're going to work it. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Teron Davenport from Titans camp. It, you know, obviously Ryan Tannehill has done more than enough to prove that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and yet there still seems to be a debate. There still seems to be that second tier that he's put in. Does it feel mm-hmm. like he cares or needs to prove anything uh, is that a conversation around camp, making sure everybody around the league is as sure of his greatness as, as the people who have been watching him closely are? It's funny because the guys like A.J. Brown, he goes out of his way to praise Ryan Tannehill and say that he's one of the best. But when you ask Tannehill about that, he just says that's that's pretty much for the outside. All he cares about is what people within that building think. And for me, I think the big issue is you form an opinion on someone and you don't budge off of that. Mm. And I am a person who formed an opinion of Ryan Tannehill that wasn't a positive one. (laughs) But then I see him come here and he's really turned things around. He's finally got a coordinator. Well, he had one in Arthur Smith that just would be so open with the play call sheet for the week. They'll have this play up, that play up this one off. It just depended on what he wanted to do, and that there was synergy there. And I actually wrote about that, uh, what they're looking to create with uh, Todd Downing, the new coordinator. So that should help him. And it's just being comfortable and, and just playing within the scheme. And I, I call him a game manager, and I asked him about that, and he, he said that it's not something that bothers him. Uh, for me, when I say game manager, I, I think of a guy who's not going to lose the football game for you, but you don't have to put 40 to 50 throws on him as well. He's going to play within the scheme, but also make some plays above the scheme. And that's really what Ryan Tannehill does. And he doesn't get the credit for what he's able to do, to be frank. TD, we've talked so much about the offense real quick. Uh, the, the defense was abysmal last year. It was terrible. And I feel like if this team has a just an upper half of the league defense, they can be a Super Bowl caliber team. Can the defense play well enough for them to win at the highest level? Absolutely. There's three words, communication, confidence, and urgency. Those are the things that these guys are focusing on. They've gotten better on third downs, which was hideous last year, 51%. I believe it was the worst in the NFL. So that's an area for improvement. you got the pass rush going with the acquisition of Bud Dupree, Danico Autry. And then they got a guy named Elijah Molden, who they affectionately started calling Mini Badger after Tyron Matthew. And they're using him on blitzes. And if you watch the Bucks game, he was able to get some pressure. He got a sack and made some plays. So they're going to be aggressive up front and, and with their blitz packages and, and just in the coverage as well, not playing off on third and, and, and seven, not playing 10 yards off the ball. They're going to come up and challenge receivers and cause more chatter at the line, and that should help the guys get home up front. 
All right, we're out of time, which means we got to have you do the last thing. We're asking every reporter, 17-game season, what's the record prediction? The closest will get a prize. We don't know what it is yet. I just know Fitz will pay for it. What's your uh, What's your prediction? <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go 11-6, and six, and if Fitz is paying for a Fitzy, man, next time you're in Nashville, STK on you. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh, there man. Go. Not only did he call his shot, but he also called out the payment. And let yeah. me tell you something, Sarah. Wow. If it's STK, whew. I mean, I'm going to have to save a little bit. Like, you know, you, I, might, I might be hitting Sarah to Venmo me on that one. Wait a uh, minute. Uh, always. <laughs> appreciate your time, my friend. Keep doing the great work. Appreciate you hanging out with us. For sure. I appreciate both of you for having me on. ESPN Titans reporter Teron Davenport. I've said it before. If you want somebody that covers a team and also gives you film breakdowns and just knows the thing in and out, TD is absolutely your guy uh, through and through. So make sure you give him a follow. All right. Speaking of the Titans, they're not the only team that have all sorts of COVID issues, and it could impact not just them, but two other Super Bowl contenders. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We're brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Now, we've been talking a lot about the Titans, and we just talked about their COVID situation. It's an interesting one, and it's not just the Titans being impacted. There are multiple teams right now that are dealing with COVID issues, including some Super Bowl contenders. That being said, Mike Vrabel, head coach of the Titans, is one of the people right now that is being held out. He's one of the people that is not uh, able to be a part of practices. And it, uh, it created an interesting moment at his press conference today on Zoom, of course, as he was explaining to everybody that maybe this isn't the worst timing for this. Well, I don't think that there's any guarantee, Ben, that that you know, situations won't arise in October or November. You know, I wish that we could guarantee that. I don't think anybody can. But as far as a timing perspective, uh, we, we, we do have time, not that we have you know, time to waste. But, you know, there, there is um, a very real possibility that we'll have all those guys back and, and healthy and ready to, um, you know, to help us win and perform. That's a such a strange logic of like, hey, well, you know, no guarantee we won't go through this during the regular season, so might as well get used to it now. I mean, wow. Yeah, really setting us up for uh, not feeling confident in his team and being able to, to avoid that stuff. Uh, even worse, though, than that was his nonchalance about the preseason finale. Now, I understand it's preseason, but they are not sure who's coaching or playing, but he's like, it's going to be great. I think it'll go great. We'll have the football team ready to go. We'll see how the plan shakes out. We'll see who's available to play and who's available to coach. But real confident that those guys will be ready to go and continue what we've been trying to do on these last couple preseason games and continue to try to play the way that we feel like is uh, beneficial for us to win football games. I'd like to point out that he said literally 
we're going to wait and see who's able to go. And then like five seconds later said, we're real confident in those guys and being able to go. Which guys? The ones that aren't out because of COVID? I mean, and, and again, they're not the only team dealing with it. Like the crazy thing is that I, I look at certain teams and I say, man, this is your window. And the Titans are one of those teams. They need to fix their defense because if they do that, they can be a Super Bowl caliber team. But I also look at the Bills who are in that window right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I did my top five rankings for Sports Nation the other day, and I had the Bills at number three in the entire league. I feel like the Bills have put everything in place, and they've, gotten, they've, they've positionally looked at everything and said, how can we make sure that we are ready in this moment right now to contend for a Super Bowl? And I think they're really capable of doing that. So when you have multiple players being fined, including – Cole Beasley, who's been such a lightning rod of controversy around the vaccine. But when you start talking about multiple players being fined, and then you read the fine print on this, according to the collective bargaining agreement, every offense now will stack up to what could lead to as much as a four-game suspension. So through all of this process of COVID, if you've got people that are blatantly unwilling to wear a mask, even though it was collectively bargained that they must... It's going to cost somebody like Cole Beasley four games. It could at some point in the season, which could be absolutely the one little thing that keeps you away from a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's also frustrating because people are talking in circles trying to argue that the vaccinated are the problem because of the criticism around the unvaccinated who are out longer because they're missing the point. So Beasley obviously has been extremely vocal, but Isaiah McKenzie posted his fine and letter from the league for not wearing a mask after being told and wrote, they got me NFL, you win, which is like the equivalent of driving without a license and then being like, they got me police, you win, because those are the rules. You've agreed to the rules. You've been told the rules and you didn't follow them. He then posted pray for me about his fine, which I was tempted to write. I'll pray for the people you put at risk with your selfishness. Instead, I avoided that today. I needed to keep that. Ooh, today, but then not only Beasley, but the the girlfriend or wife, I guess, wife of Bill's safety, Jordan Poyer, is also talking about, I know damn well y'all not about to put any blame on the players who don't have COVID and are tested every day, but we're in contact with a vaccinated staff member. Y'all are so backwards, it's insane. So now we find out, of course, not that I'm going to assume anything, but usually if your wife is tweeting stuff like that out, you are also anti-vaccination, anti-mask. And the issue here is fits. Yes, you can still test positive as a vaccinated person. But when you are an unvaccinated close contact, the choices you have made have resulted in you having a five-day reentry process, having to test negative each day before they can reenter and resume practice. Right? There are stricter restrictions for them because of their choice to remain unvaccinated, which is dangerous for them and everyone around them and makes it more difficult for everything. So the idea that they're trying to spin this logic that because the staff member was vaccinated and had it and was the reason for them to be sent home, they shouldn't be penalized or criticized is to ignore that they continue to make the choice, not only, first of all, to not get vaccinated, but to be publicly anti-vaccination, understanding that it's non it, it, it's a it's a detriment to themselves and their team and their availability. Well, and through all of that, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, availability becomes such a big part of the conversation because uh, we're seeing it in Tampa Bay, another Super Bowl contender where uh, Ryan Suckup, who used to play, he's Tampa Bay's kicker, he used to play for the Titans. So uh, when they were having their joint practices, he went out and had dinner with members of the Titans. And so as a result of that, Bucks coach, and, and that has caused multiple issues for yeah, the Bucks. Suckup right? was so, positive, yeah. 
And so Bruce Arians is now implementing his own rules outside of the COVID-19 protocols in advance of their first road game this year. Uh, They're now going to be treating it like they did last year. Nobody will be allowed to leave the team hotel. They won't be allowed to have family visit the hotel on road trips. And, and, you know, that makes sense. And, And frankly, you know, to be really transparent, even some of us that travel at ESPN got those same sorts of notes that was like, hey, you can't have visitors on the road because we're testing when we go to these different colleges. And if you bring somebody into the environment that isn't tested, then we've ruined everything we're working for. Like, that's just a new reality mm. in the NFL. And so it's not just even impacting one team. The trickle down from this is massive to multiple teams. And you got to be more and more stringent as you go into the fall. If you were looking at it and you're saying, man, in a 17 game season, one game could be the difference. Me not having my offensive line when they have theirs is the reason we could lose this game. Well, and Bruce Arian said specifically, for us, life is not normal. We're pretty much under the same protocols as last year, just because that's the way it is, especially living here. You remember that Florida has the highest levels of COVID deaths right now than any time in the pandemic. Things are worse in Florida. A new seven-day record high over the last week to any other time in COVID. So he's dealing with not only whether you're traveling and around the country and you're interacting with other teams and people that you might not know the, their, their habits, but that Florida is the worst it's been the entire time. And that's the state that you're currently in. And I can't imagine the stress of being a coach and wondering if your players are out and about with friends, family, clubs, whatever in Florida right now. I mean, it's really bad in Florida right now. And to know that you might have players who want to blow off some steam um, I, I don't know what the rules are at home, but I would imagine if those are the rules on the road, he's probably thinking pretty strictly about people's behaviors at home as well. Well, and I'll again echo as I have a million times. I know you're tired of hearing it, and some people are too, but for anybody that's looking at it and saying, well, look at Ryan Tannehill. He's fully vaccinated, and he now has to sit out. Look at Suckup. He went to dinner, which is within the rules and regulations. He's allowed to do it. Just remember that everything that every single player is dealing with right now is collectively bargained. So whatever the consequence is for a player not wearing a mask was something that his union fought for and decided that they were Mm -hmm. comfortable with. Whatever the restraints are for players that are traded, that are non-vaccinated, that have to wait longer to be available to a team was collectively bargained and negotiated. So when players go to social media to complain about it, they're complaining to the wrong people. They have voters that help them in these issues. And if if their voice wasn't the right voice for the major uh, for the majority that's nobody's fault but their own l duncan gonna join us next we'll get her things uh her thoughts on all things uh falcons broncos everything coming up next spain and fitz the podcast Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, CSPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Today's National Dog Day. Rocking dog tunes. There we go. All night long. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. 
joining us now to talk really whatever we want, but we'll talk a little Broncos to start. One of our faves, Sports Center host L. Duncan. L. Thanks for joining us. Hi, uh, Hi. Happy Dog Day to you, uh, Jason Fitz. Happy Thank National you. Women's uh, Equality Day to you, Sarah Spain. I feel weird Thank that they're you. on the same day, the dogs and it the is. women's equality. I don't know if that's telling. I would make a B-word joke, but I'm going to go ahead and move right along. Uh, I'm not <laughs> I'm sure just if I'm allowed to say in it silence. even in the context of dogs, so I'm going to go Got ahead nothing. and skip it. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater gets the start. He's the fifth different week one starter in the last five seasons for the Broncos, the 10th different starting quarterback since Peyton Manning retired after the 2015 season. Let's just get your unfiltered with a little bit of filter for language reaction to the choices that the Broncos made in the offseason and the resulting naming of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I don't like I have spent so many <laughs> years, you guys, just sort of being like, well, you know, I just want to win a championship, right? Like 1998-1999 were so long ago, like I just want to win a championship. And we won, and I felt this huge sense of relief, right? And I listen, I'm not I'm not audacious enough to be a Patriots type of fan to think that we're supposed to win every year. I understand that how hard it is to repeat, how hard it is to contend, but good God. I mean, we've gone four straight years with losing seasons. Like, this is not it, – it's, it's crazy to me that this is sort of what the franchise has devolved into because for my entire life, the Broncos were a, a team that was always in pursuit of a championship. You know, and whether they were as popular as the Cowboys or whatnot, they were always in pursuit of that. That was the standard, and it just feels like that standard has disappeared. And I, I hate that it feels as though it's gone with, with the Bolins, you know. Um so I am not surprised by them choosing Teddy Bridgewater because it's the safe decision. You know, Drew Locke did not prove himself to be the guy. Like, he did not. And he can work with Peyton Manning as much as he wants to. And his decision-making was not there. He was looked to be a project from the very beginning. He looked to be a project from his time at Missouri. So um, they're, they're thinking, I believe, that they can sort of, to some diet degree, replicate 2015 where they had a really good defense and just like an okay offense and that was enough but that defense was historic this defense will not be they'll be solid they'll be good they might be top 10 top 15 but they will not be historic so i don't know but are we going to be better than a five-win team i mean i hope so there's another game on the damn schedule so um i'd say we're probably an eight or nine win team you know fighting in the basement with the raiders and with the Chargers for the scraps uh, from the Chiefs. We're talking to L. Duncan, Sports Center host extraordinaire on Spain and Fitz. And, you know, uh, it, the interesting part of all of this, L, is that, you know, there, there's two sides to the legacy when it comes to John Elway. There's John Elway, the quarterback, and now there's John Elway, the quarterback evaluator. How do you sort of navigate finding a way to negotiate those two very different legacies at this point? Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, John Elway, like, I thank you so much for everything that you did. In the words of the great Ariana Grande, like, thank you next. Like, you're a terrible DM at this point. It doesn't mean, it doesn't require any sense of evaluating talent to take a flyer on Peyton Manning. Like, everyone's like, well, I mean, he did have the neck surgery. So what? He was a Hall of Famer. Stop it. Like, barring him actually losing his throwing arm, that doesn't require any sense of, like, you know, ability to evaluate talent. And John Elway has proven that despite being a great quarterback, he can't evaluate any. So I just the, – the truth of the matter is Vic Fangio is calling the show right now. If you believe these reports, he's the one that wanted Teddy Bridgewater and the front office wanted Drew Locke. And somehow 
in this weird dimension, whatever timeline we're living in, Vic Fangio is running things in Denver. And I don't know if that is frightening or hilarious or a good thing. I just know this season is shaping up to be a mushroom trip. Yeah, yeah. Very specific uh, enunciation of the R in that in that mushroom trip, by the way. I was looking out for you on that. <laughs> L. Duncan is with us. Don't think about it too much. Yeah, I've everybody. got nothing. I'm just going to sit uh, over here. Yep, and as usual, <laughs> the censors are just, just sitting and waiting down. as I host this show. Uh, L. Duncan is with us here on Spade at Fitz. Um, I also want to say thank you to, to Elway, not for his play as a quarterback, but for choosing not to select Justin Fields or any other quarterback, allowing him to get to the Bears. What? Very excited about that. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Atlanta. I know that you are not a Falcons fan, but because of your Atlanta roots, you are often tied to that Falcons team. Is there any chance you mosey on over them? I know that they're not really a, a very appealing destination, but you know, is there any chance the Broncos drive you to that kind of crazy uh, decision-making? They just signed uh, Josh Rosen. Wow, that's exciting. Sarah basically just asked me, do I want to leave a volcano that's on fire for the depths of hell? No, yeah, they're yeah, both yeah. terrible places to be. <laughs> no, Sarah. No, I don't Can I trade you that hurricane ship. for an earthquake? <laughs> Thank you. Like, she's asking me if I want to jump ship back to the Titanic as it's actually sinking. No, 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 no. Because at least, like I said, we did have a tradition of winning championships. Like, no, what the Falcons are doing is laughable. I mean... I just, you know, I feel for my husband. I will tell you, he's been a long-suffering Falcons fan, and you would have thought 28-3 to would break him. It did not. What truly broke him was last year at the Cowboys game. The idea that grown men don't know the rules of um, <laughs> an onside kick was just too much for him to bear. So he has, he was officially broken. He wouldn't speak about the other sort of in Baltimore. Uh, no, I'm, I think they're shaping up to, to be the same. I want to apologize to your listeners, by the way. We are spending 10 minutes talking about two teams that want to combine nine games last year. So I'm sorry in <laughs> advance. Um, but, no, I, I, I expect that they are going to, just because the Saints aren't going to be uh, that great and just because the Panthers, who knows, right, I, I expect them to potentially be contending to a wild-card spot. But, no, like they needed to address, just like Denver, uh, what is happening at quarterback. They could have done it in the draft, and they chose not to. So, I don't care how good the tight end is. I don't care how good Kyle Pitts is. He can't throw to himself. So I imagine this is going to go the same way the, the rest of the, the seasons have gone of late, which is that they get these leads and they use the big arm of Matt Ryan and it doesn't actually result in the wins. Well, I'm going to take a, just a drastic left turn, and it's going to take us to a new land called positivity. Uh, wow. Look, I've got good this luck. for you here. Think about it. Just hear me out before you before you shut me down on this. The SEC East this year looks like it's going to be really bad. JT Daniels looks like he's going to be really good. Georgia has a real shot at getting to the SEC championship game. Alabama's uncertain at the quarterback position. Is this the year you find joy with Georgia? No. What are you talking like, I just feel like you're poking the bear. Are you know no, no, this is genuine. I'm even, this I'm, is listen, genuine. I'm, even, I'm even more cynical and negative about Georgia than the Broncos or the Falcons. You said on a positive note, what are you talking about, Fitz? A positive trying. note. You saw what I went through after the national championship. You saw what happened to me. How could you bring this up and think that this is a positive way? On winning wow. the quality day, Fitz? Are you joking, Sarah? You ambushed me. You let me come on the show for him to try and and talk about expectations for for Georgia. You let Fitz hit me with 
people say this could be the year, you know what, Fitz? Whatever. <laughs> Shut up. Elle, here's the thing, Elle. Like, I went on Sports Nation You're the other day. You're just doing it on I, purpose. I, I, was, I, was, I was prisoner of the moment on Sports Nation, and I said Bama's going to lose two games. So now I really got to find a way to get somebody else to be really good in the SEC and have it all work out for me. So I need that to happen. So I'm putting it into the universe. So I'm making it Georgia's year. One way or the other, I am, I, 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 that's, that's my pick. Georgia's going to go to the playoffs this year. That, that's my, wow. that's well, my pick. Thanks. Well, thanks, yeah. Sarah. We're really excited. Now we have Fitz's losery Raiders juju yeah. all over the dog. Fitz, Yay. who's never that's won exactly a single bet on this for. show for predicting something, uh, yeah, is now fair. added oh, to your pain by yeah. making it oh, even thanks. less likely that they'd do anything. Somehow you guys just sounded like a married couple where Fitz attempted to make a compliment and then went down a dark, dark hole, never from which to recover. And I yeah. appreciate that because I just your, stayed out of your it. Your listeners yeah. are going to think I'm picking on Fitz. Fitz is doing that. <laughs> and he's probably doing it with tongue and cheek. He knew exactly what this kind yeah, of response right. was going to no, no, In the back of my head, it's the husband yelling in the back of your head. You're like, pedal backwards. Get out of this. Get, get out, out of here. this. Yeah. Yeah. You know where you went. Just get out. Get uh, out. That's, that's all we're doing. I'll tell everyone where they can watch you on SportsCenter, where preferably you're talking about teams you don't root for, and therefore there's a chance for optimism. BM, uh, 6 p.m. Sports Center. Oh, no, there's never any of that. I'll just come after your team, too. Like, what are the Bears doing? <laughs> hey, listen, oh, I agree with what God. the Bears are doing. I agree with what the Bears are doing. It's all going to work out. For just a week, though, right? Yeah, just I, a want, week. I want like, week let three. Let Andy Dalton be the chum, yes. right? But then the yes. second week, like, we're good. You put a Bengals week, I too. Want, like, I want week trash. three. I want week three, Justin Fields. But my sources are telling me it's probably going to be a little bit longer. So I'm going to I'm gonna be patient for now. I, I tend to okay. go on the side of patience with rookie quarterbacks over the potential to really screw up their swagger and their fundamentals with no protection. But uh, listen, I, 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 neither of us can talk to the other one about quarterback success of late. At least at one Fair. point, you guys had a really good history of it. Uh, the patience I've acquired comes from the entirety of my franchise's history. We've never really had a quarterback. Why rush this one? Uh, thanks for the time, Al. Appreciate it. You're the best, my friend. You're welcome. Love you guys. Love you. Thanks. Everyone, go watch Elle on SportsCenter. She's hilarious and awesome and intelligent and educational. And then watch her on HQ and Around the Horn and everywhere else she is. She's the best. Coming up, we're finally going to pick the winner of our Fantasy League entry contest. We will assign the final member of the league. We'll let you know when the draft is. And uh, we'll also maybe get into uh, a little bit more dog content. It's next on Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on National Dog Day. Fitz, how many dogs have you had? I know you posted your very first dog that you lost last year, 16 years you had her. But how many have we cycled through now, the home of, of Fitz and Sonny? Yeah, so Sam and Winnie were the OGs, and so we lost Winnie when she was 15 and Sam when she was 16, uh, and then we added Charlie, and so Charlie's now like probably nine, uh, eight, 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 somewhere in that range. 
Then we added Clark, and Clark is three, and now we have Annabelle. So we currently have three dogs, uh, and I've had five. So that's a and they all live with Sunny in Nashville. Well, Annabelle lives with me. She gets to oh, uh, travel right. with me. That's so, right. like, Annabelle is uh, all mine and uh, is the worst. Like, it's funny because I've always had it. it when I was touring, uh, Winnie became very, uh, she was like the protector of the house. So she would get up in the middle of the night and walk the whole house, always walk the perimeter, make sure everything was good. She growled at everything. She was like the, the protector. And when I would come home from being gone on a long music tour, she would sleep so hard because she obviously hadn't slept, you know. And so near the end of her life, when we got Charlie, she sort of taught Charlie to do that. So Charlie, this great protector, right? He'll walk the whole house, does the same thing all the time. Annabelle uh, is not worth a darn on anything. Like if she hears a noise, she just sits behind my legs. Like I'm like, I got me and a dog in a house and the dog does absolutely nothing to protect anything. And all she does is cower back. Like she's the best and she's very loving and very playful, but she does not have any protective bone in her body. So it's the first dog I've ever had that I, I, I think is actually part cat because it's completely scared. Well, I do think that you're in luck because no one's breaking into your house because it's either full of water or your poop is on the front lawn, right? No, that's fair. Th- those, that's, those are real. If things, I'm yeah. remembering correctly, how the last year or so of your life has gone, or it's yeah. getting hit by lightning. But yeah. uh, just any, step foot anywhere at Vince's property, and you'll either be knee deep in water or sewage. That's poop hit by like lightning. I'm, going, I'm living straight home alone. Like you that's are, all. You are. You are. Unless you're the sticky bandits uh, or the wet bandits, be careful. Um, if you want to follow most of Fitz's dogs at Charlie Barkley Pup, I believe yeah, is where most Sunny of the dog related content. Yeah. She puts all of them out there, yeah. Um, but that's the three other the three dogs hanging by the pool, and uh, Char- Charlie's the big one. No, Charlie's the medium sized one. Clark is the massive. Clark is the big pounder, one. Yeah, yeah. Clark, Clark's the one who's Grizz Wolf. Grizz yeah. Wolf. Is that a thing? <laughs> Alarmingly, I knew he was going to be big. I didn't know he was going to be tall. And so, like, he comes up to, like, my belly button, just past my belly button. Like, he's, you know, mid-stomach height. Yeah. And he, when he gets excited, he likes to run through your legs, which was cute when he was little. It's not cute now when he headbutts you in the no-no places every time. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, yeah. My dog, Fletch, which is my first rescue with Brad, um, first time he met our buddy Nick Friedel, just uh, jumped up and, and right right in the twig and berries. Uh, we mm-hmm. actually have a, a photo of it because we were trying to capture the moment they first met. And so it's Nick uh, getting a nice welcome from Fletch. Fletch was our first one. Then we got what was then named Lionel. We found Lionel a home. He was at the home for a long time, and we got Banks. Banks ended up being a foster fail. We kept him. And then Lionel, now named Haji, was no longer able to be with the home that we had sent him to for five or six years. We're still friends with her. He came back to us on a trial basis for a month, and that was two years ago. So we are uh, we are three. They all sleep in bed with us. They all weigh about fifty-five to sixty pounds. So that's amazing. <laughs> Whenever that's people a, ask if we're your mattress a fourth, doesn't I'm like, stand a chance. Yeah. Like, there's just no. You, you go into those like fancy mattress stores, and you're like, I need a sleep number for each of the yeah. dogs, please. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's very romantic. Brad would tell you he's really. It's what he's always ima- imagined when he was young, uh, going to bed with uh, with uh, uh, four people. Uh, I don't think he imagined them all to be male dogs. <laughs> but uh you know you can live the dream it's national dog day fitz and i are obsessed with our dogs um you can follow mine at fletch and banks on instagram we both have instagram accounts for our dogs because we're both gigantic losers uh news from the spain and fitz nation a ton of you hit us up on the dr pepper twitter feed regarding our fantasy league name this was the way we elected to choose the final member of the league uh the league is made up of um, mostly friends of the show and 
producers, people who work here. I believe it's, uh, let's see, it's me, you, our producer, Stosh, Courtney Cronin, Jeff Passan's son that we have a great deal of, of enjoyment, get a great deal of enjoyment uh, trolling and, and swearing at, despite him being a child. Uh, Chris Mitchell, the unfortunate Mets fan. Uh, Jordan and Shay Cornette have a team together. Myron Metcalf, Cliff, one of our one of our board guys. James, one of our board guys. And then we wrangled last year's listener, Angry Bears fan dead man, a.k.a. Hafid, into being the commissioner because we lost our commission and none Still of us wanted of to do it. Moves. I was Yeah, that was very smart. Whoever suggested, see if he'll do it in order for an entry back in. We were like, perfect. Uh, I don't have time to be the commission. Except for, you know, obviously all my other duties as official commish. Uh, so we need one more person, and we like to take a listener every year. You guys sent in a lot of names. Here's a couple. Uh, the commish made me do it. This can't go wrong. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Fits of Pain <laughs> League. Made My Shot Count League. Rom Communism, A Season to Remember. Nice, nice shout out there. Yep. Cole Beasley's Antibody Count. No Punt Intended. And then the three finalists at B Greener One, Montero called the league by my name. Excellent. That's, very that's very really, current reference. Very smart. Very well done, too, with the very little well music done. play in there. Little Nas like X. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's somebody nice. that, that knows this audience well. That's good. That's true. The other person that knows our audience well at Jenkins 176061701. Is that your phone number or something? Uh, he said, Two girlies, one cup. Uh, that's mm. the kind of thing we look for around these parts. If you remember, last year our league name was Wet A-S-S Pigskin Just for Fits and Gliggles. I always have to say that really slowly. Uh, it's amazing you've made it through that professionally every single Thank you. Time. Thank you. Yeah, so last year it was the very popular song WAP. Now we go with a very old deep cut, uh, Two Girlies, One Cup. And then finally, at Como Se Wa is No Take Max which, of course, refers to the Raiders giving the Bears a call and asking them if they had any interest in sending back Khalil Mack. We do not know yet how the Bears reacted. The presumption is that they simply hung up the phone. <laughs> I'm still, like, dumbfounded by that phone call, too. Like, that's like calling your ex-wife a couple years later. And it's like, hey, you single? Like, <laughs> where does that go at that, at that point? Like, you seeing anybody right now? Like, I, I just can't imagine that call coming through. Hey, hey kudos to, to Gruden and Mayock for having the you-know-whats to just not care what anyone thinks on that phone call. Agreed. Agreed. All right, we got to pick a winner, Fitz. I know what my selection is. Uh, I think we're in agreement. Yeah, I think we're in agreement on this one. All right. The winner, can you do a drum roll with your, like, voice? Ooh, that's pretty good. The winner and the person who's going to lose to me in the fantasy league at Como Se Wa. No take max. Excellent use. Excellent use of content from the show. Something that appeals both to the Bears and Raiders fans in us. Uh, congratulations. It looks like your name is Alexander Alberon. We are going to reach out to you and uh, explain to you in detail how you're going to get your butt whooped in fantasy. Yeah, so don't mess congrats. it up. Yeah, yeah, don't mess it up. League's uh, coming up soon. We'll send you all the info. Freddie Fitzsimmons coming up next. They're going to have Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill and Cole Beasley. And that's it. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.